Hello All Beer Inside listeners, we here at All Beer Inside understand that not everyone has the time to watch a YouTube video, so we are presenting the audio-only portion of the show here for your ear holes. This is the audio from episode 144 of the YouTube show, which was originally released on August 26th, 2022. You could subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, the brand new TrendingTopicsNetwork.com, and most of the listening avenues for this podcast. We also kindly ask that you rate, review, subscribe, and leave comments to wherever you are getting this wonderful sound. Please enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to All Beer Inside. I'm your not-so-humble host, Carp, and today we are in Keysville, New York, and joining me is Dylan and Dan of Osable Brewing. Hey there. Yeah. Hey. How we doing? Uh, very good. Thank you very much for taking time of your schedule to speak with us about your brewery, everything that's coming out of Osable uh, when it comes to your beer, and all your stories and stuff. So, uh, Thank you very much once again. You brought me out some tasty looking beers here to try. What am I starting with? Uh, first one is Plowman's Lunch. That's okay. our rye pilsner. Yeah, it's one of our lighter beers that we pretty much always have on tap. Uh, you know, anyone who comes here looking to drink Budweiser or whatever, we have an amber ale that's always on tap. And then this uh, rye pilsner is uh, one of our go-tos. Awesome, as we do. A toast. A toast. toast. Yeah, the rye's not overpowering. It's nice, incredibly balanced. No, and it's it's rye that we really enjoy brewing with. We found it early on when we first started this place, and mm. we've incorporated that rye into a lot of our different recipes because it's really clean. It's it's New York grown rye, um, and it's nicer than any other rye we've worked with from any commercial place. So mm-hmm. we we throw it in our go-to IPA, yep. that Pilsner, and a number of other things. Yep, Valley Malt. Shout out to Valley Malt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a great product. Yeah. I know there's a malting company on the Nine as well. Um, or there was. Um, not anyone malting mm-hmm. right okay. on Nine. Yeah, I'm not well, something Malt Co. Or... Well, there's oh, a, a yeah, big yeah. distributor oh, up oh, there, and that's where we yeah. get the bulk of our ingredients from. Which is really convenient that we have a, a place that close to us, especially as such a small brewery. Yeah. We're able to go pick up ingredients ourselves. Um, not pay shipping of pallets, which yeah. everyone else is doing, and, and, and not feel the need to like you know paying that shipping load up on order truck you know loads. a truckload of malt at a time. We can just go pick up for a couple of weeks at a time, which is nice. Yeah, because my folks ha- had a place in Chazy, unfortunately, pandemic. They kind of had to get rid of it. But I remember every time coming back, I'm like, ooh, a malting place. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool. and they've been there for a long time as a distributor. I actually used to uh, get like a 50 pound bag once every few months when I was home brewing and now they're massive. They own uh, multiple different distributors throughout the US. Um, it's Country Malt Group. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have known them for so long that we actually have a close relationship That's... with them and have had times where we're like, whoa, we're really low on this. All of a sudden we need it for tomorrow and they'll help us out. So it's, it's great having that local tie. Yeah, I love, love hearing that stuff. Uh, so, I mean, you're brothers, so we'll skip how you got to know each other. What made you guys decide, hey, let's open a brewery? Well, I'm, I'm a bit older than he is, uh, so I got into it first. Um, our, our dad was actually a home brewer yeah, back in the Go 80s. way back to the roots. It During, was our dad. I used to help him cap his bottles. I just placed the caps on when I was like three years old. But then you I, helped him drink them. You helped know, him drink them, yeah. When you weren't supposed to, probably. Uh, but, yeah, I grew up. We both kind of grew up with that uh, uh, smell in the house, and it, you know, it's kind of nostalgic for me. So when I was in college, I started home brewing, um, and uh, got an apprenticeship my senior year in college, and then we moved in together 
after he graduated high school, I graduated college, and I we started homebrewing together. Then I started teaching him how to homebrew, and uh, I ended up going out to California, going through the UC Davis Master Brewers program, and working as a brewer in California for a while. Came back east, worked as a brewer in Vermont for a while, and then he was graduated college and uh, I don't know. We, we said when we were homebrewing together, we were like, oh man, wouldn't it be cool to open like an on-farm brewery where we grew some of our own ingredients mm. and like, oh, that's a crazy idea. And then he actually went and became a professional brewer and I went to school for agriculture. And when we got back together in Vermont, it was like, is this still something we want to do? Hell yeah. So yeah. we did it. Yeah, yeah. Vermont is wild. I. I so many breweries in such a little state. Totally. Yeah, and so we were in southern yeah. Vermont looking at the scene there, and it was like the, the craft beer scene was huge, the local farm scene was huge, um, but across the lake, we're, we're just across the lake from Burlington right here, and Dan has a good friend who was starting a farm here, and he told us, like, hey, like, check out the Adirondacks, which is pretty close to where we grew up in mm -hmm. Potsdam. And sure enough, like this area was ripe for a craft brewery movement, ripe for a small farm movement. And so, yeah, it's just a, a lot here. of young people that were looking to start start a scene over here. So instead of us trying to fit into a scene that already existed and find our niche within a, a, a huge scene that was already there, uh, we saw the opportunity to come to this side of the lake. And we're from New York anyway, so we're at home in New York, we're at home in the Adirondacks and it was just an opportunity to help be a part of starting a scene rather than just trying to fit into one. Yeah. And I mean, at the time, like right when we were talking about this, New York passed a bunch of legislation uh, for farm breweries that made it really advantageous to come in as a small brewery and have a very low cost, a mm -hmm. low startup cost. So we started this place with the yeah. idea that like, we'll do some farmer's markets, we might have to keep a day job, this or that, uh, and very quickly it yeah, turned it into exploded. like, nope, this is full time, <laughs> yeah. this, is, this is what we're doing. Yeah. yeah, our original plan was we were kind of looking at our friends who were starting farms, and most of them operating under like the CSA model, uh, where people basically bought in memberships and came to pick up their food each week. Mm -hmm. Uh, so we were kind of, that was kind of our original plan. We were going go to yeah, go to farmer's markets and bring growlers to farmer's markets. And, and right away enough people started showing up that it was like, that was just out of the question. We had to be here and just became a more, uh, uh, traditional brewery and bar. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, that's the, the focus of the show is supporting local companies. Yeah. We're from Montreal, but you're still a local business for sure to the state of New York to people coming from Plattsburgh, and I'm sure you get more than enough people visiting the chasm being like, oh, hey, yeah. it's, it's so, it's, oh, it's so nice that the borders opened up again. We get yeah. so many, so many Canadians down mm. here. They're, they're a huge part of our business. I for forgot sure. how much like it was nice to see Canadians and try to speak a tiny bit of French. Yeah. Uh, and that's the closest major up. city to us also, yeah. Montreal. You mm -hmm. know, we go up there for shows. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot closer than New or York just, City. Or just good food. Yeah, yeah, or food. Much yeah, we're, we're a little spoiled for good food. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah <sure. laughs> You know, it's, I, I do, I will say like American Taco Bell is superior to Canadian Taco Bell. <laughs> uh, so we'll usually when I'm here, I grab Taco Bell or, or there's other mm -hmm. restaurants, like yep. big chains that we don't have in Canada. And, but, and the Walmarts alone, I mean, your Walmart is the size of a football field or mine is yeah. a, a lot smaller. It's, it, I'm sure both sides just 
Plattsburgh was definitely Plattsburgh and surrounding was missing the Canadians, and we were also missing the Americans coming up. And, oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. And the exchange of funds. And I mean, the like our you know cuisine to fame here is a hot dog with meat sauce on it. <laughs> And uh, I like a Michigan, but man, it's, yeah, it's nice having Montreal close by. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, so why Aus? I mean, you're in Keysville, but you're part of Ausable. But why Ausable Brewing Company and not, you know, Badger Brewing, as you mentioned, or, or anything like that, or the Farm Brewing, something like that? Why well, Why Ausable Brewing Company? Badger Brewing has been done. Okay. Uh, since 1777. <laughs> In yeah. England. <laughs> yeah, it's so, an English brewery. It's been around for a long time. <laughs> we were like, well, we can't. We probably could, but like, I don't know. We thought it was a little hokey, like Badger Brothers Brewery. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. We just I mean, wanted something We're separate. always known as the Badger Brothers, so it was kind of like we wanted our brewery to have its own identity. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we've also, one thing that we both really dislike is, is gimmicky breweries. We didn't want a gimmicky name, so we were throwing around all sorts of different names and weren't in love with anything really. Um, and then the, the major drainage that comes out of the Eastern Adirondacks is the Osable River, mm -hmm. the Osable Valley, and that's what we're in. We've got Osable Chasm around the corner from us. So to just identify with a, a local landmark um, seemed like a good enough name, even though most people don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, I mean, we don't really pronounce it correctly. It's a yeah. French Chasm. word. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, Ossible Chasm is what we get a lot around here. It's yeah. We correct a lot of people. Ossable Chasm yeah. is how it's pronounced yeah. around here. But uh, yeah, I don't know. We just, uh, we wanted our beer to speak for itself. We didn't want it to be like a gimmicky name and have people come in to try our beer be because of some silly name. Mm -hmm. um, we wanted the beer to speak for itself. and. Osable seemed like as good a name as any, so yeah. yeah. We really wanted to identify with this whole valley um, because the high peaks of the Adirondacks are what's known about mm -hmm. this region. People come here for the hiking and the mountains are, you know, epic. Um, but the valley that runs from the high peaks down to Lake Champlain, like down here is where the farming is and, you know, back in the old day, it was the farming down here that helped support mm -hmm. people up there. And we're trying to get back to those roots. So it's kind of like this whole Los Abel Valley is our community. Yeah. yeah. I know at one point you guys used to close during the winter. Do you still close yeah. during the winter? Yep. Okay. Yeah. I'm assuming it must be freezing back there if you're trying to brew. No, or... we can keep it warm. Okay. But uh, our summers are so insane that we just kind of need that downtime to reset and and we found it works really well for us, actually, uh, because we're sort of a destination brewery. People have to travel to get here. So by having that break, you know, we get a break from the public. The public gets a break from us. When we reopen in, in, in the beginning of May, uh, people are excited. We're excited. We're yeah. excited to start brewing and being open again. And people are excited to come here uh, once the weather breaks. And, and we know. do so much of the work here ourselves so much of the building and like it's the two of us we have a few employees now mm -hmm. that help bartend um but we do everything else and that winter time when we're still brewing some but like we have time to fix all our equipment buy new equipment build yeah. stuff yeah, renovate a things of, so. a lot of construction yeah. and the other side uh we do we do a lot of aged beer here that's tough to do in other facilities that have that just like 24 hour grind. 
because we have that downtime, we get to do a lot of our barrel-aged beers that age for a couple of years, barrel-aged sours that age mm. for a couple of years, um, and really expand, you know, have a pretty unique, diverse selection and brew a lot of those beers that, that age all winter and then we can have to release the following summer. Because I know the, the summer I was here before the pandemic hit, these walls didn't exist. It was still Correct. an open thing. Yeah. That, was, that was that this was winter. This winter, yeah. yep, okay. exactly. Yeah. Do you find the locals really stepped up when, like, yeah, it does help that you guys get Canadians, but were locals even stepping up even more to, to buy the beer during the pandemic? To, yeah. Yes, totally. You guys uh, absolutely. Here, so. totally. Yeah, we, we feel so fortunate to yeah. have the customer base that we do here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was great. That's awesome. Uh, I mean, minus the pandemic, because that's clearly everybody's roadblock and difficulty for the last 30 months or so. Um, any kind of other roadblocks, difficulties? Did Keysville be like, eh, we don't want a brewery? Or city was very welcoming. Here, take super welcoming. welcoming. Everyone was very like the town board was very welcoming. Like lent us equipment to help try to do stuff. Like mm. people around here want to see things happen, and that's part of why we situated right here. It's like awesome. the community was ready for something like this and fully embraced it. Fantastic. Uh, what's the second beer I'm doing here? That is Wayne Legitsky. So that is one of our most popular. It's uh, all mosaic dry hopped American pale ale. Um, named after the great one. We're big hockey fans. So shout out uh, to yeah, the Avalanche. I mean, you guys are surrounded by as much winter as we are in, in Montreal. So yeah. I'm hoping you're hockey fans. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we play as much that's, pond hockey in the winter as we can. Yeah, that's one of our go-tos. I probably drink. It's a very simple recipe. Mm -hmm. But I probably drink more of that beer than anything else. Yeah. It's, Awesome. Yeah. As we do. Yeah. A toast. A toast. A toast. Yeah. Super crushable. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and it actually has a touch of uh, caramel malt in it, which is like in these days in a hoppy beer, yeah. you never see that. It's kind yeah, of we, shunned, but we, we like it. It backs up those mosaic hops. We use a, a bit of a caramunic 80 in that. It's mm -hmm. like a, a, a darker malt that's just got these like deep, caramel raisiny flavors and just a touch of that really helps bring out that fruitiness of the mosaic hops it's considered a, an american ipa style right? yeah that's yeah, what okay. we call it we yeah. call, I, I do yeah. find american ipas you get a little bit more of a malt backbone than you would mm -hmm. uh, you know a haze bro as they call them or yeah like that, totally so. so dan you mentioned you've been more or less brewing since you were three but what's that <laughs> that first beer? i took a, i took a break in yeah. there for a little while <laughs> yeah. being involved though in the home brewing kind of industry since you were a very young age what was that first homebrew beer where you're like this is it this is what's gonna this is what i want people to try to bring well, our name up just uh when i switched all grain brewing was a big step obviously like when i switched to all grain brewing and even doing it on a very crude uh system um but i think uh more than anything it was when i started brewing professionally that i was like this is what i want to do mm -hmm. you know um because you never really I, there are so many homebrewers that think they want to own a brewery and my advice is always like get a brewing job before you open a brewery like and they don't always do it and that's fine yeah. you don't have to take my advice but for me I know it was very good for me to go work in the industry and be like yes this is what I want to do because I think there are a lot of people that romanticize uh, starting a brewery and then they take this like fun hobby and and turn it into a job that they might not like mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work and it's messy. A lot of industrial work. <laughs> and, yeah. and that magic of like throwing stuff together and seeing what happens, like that goes away. 
you don't want to see what happens. You want to know what happens. You want to isolate variables. You want things to come out exactly the same every time. A boring day is a good day, mm -hmm. you know? Like, it's not a glamorous job <laughs> when you're actually, this part's fun, Yeah. but the actual job's a grind, you know? It's very industrial work that isn't for everybody. Yeah. I've always been like, okay, if anything, I would be like the project manager. I have all the ideas and I know what I want, but you know, the science of beer is very difficult of producing something that's consumable. You don't want to be and drain pouring consistent, and consistent, yeah. and and that's even with even with other uh, professional breweries. I, I especially in the the craft brew industry right now, that's that's just exploding. One of my biggest issues is is just the inconsistency. Like even you know breweries that I like, where I'll go and I'll have a good beer, and then I'll come back a month later, have that same beer, and have it be wildly different. And that's just you know yeah. to me unacceptable but yeah. there's a brewery back home that that's like that it was you know they were the kings and i go back and i'm like it was better when they started mm -hmm. yeah you know yeah. but yeah. yeah i see like where they started it to where they are now and they clearly need more employees it's just yeah. hiring people right now who and people aren't willing to do the work more or less it's like okay well you know yeah. and you're saying starting the brewing industry if i were to start something like i know i'd have to be washing kegs yeah. I know I yeah, have to totally. be pouring flights. Like that's the, yep. if I were to get in the industry, I'm very happy with what I'm at right now. Ultimately, my dream job is kind of this on a full time basis. But that, <laughs> unfortunately, this is not financially viable for somebody who yes. doesn't have a regular job. Yes. Yeah. Right, so right. <laughs> awesome. And what was the first ever beer that came out of Osable Brewing Company? When we first opened, we had five beers on tap, and mm -hmm. four of those are still regular mainstays. Okay. Plowman's Lunch being one of them. Um, and North Country. Well, North yeah, Country Common. Uh, yeah. uh, that was our amber ale that he mentioned earlier that's also just light, smooth, mm -hmm. easy drinking. Uh, we have a hoppy red ale okay. that's called Jungle Hustler. And then our go-to IPA, Face Court IPA, that's uh, about 10% rye in there. Um, and then we had an Imperial Scotch Stout Mm -hmm. which is still one that we rotate every now and then. And it was actually one of the first ones. Dan homebrewed it like long, yeah, long ago. Like the, my earliest brew that we still kind of do. It's yeah. a different beer now than it was. Yeah, but. and then we brewed it together at one point differently. And then like, I don't know, it's been, that recipe has been around a long mm -hmm. time until we finally put it together as a, as a professional recipe. But... Um, yeah, we bought we bought our system. We started on a tiny little system. It was basically a glorified homebrew system. Uh, when I was brewing in Vermont for another for another brewery, uh, we bought that just to play with in our garage. Yeah. So we had the advantage. We'd been brewing on the system for a couple of years before we opened. Okay. So we had so we a lot of stuff really yeah. dialed on yeah. it. So it, was, it as soon as we finally opened, like we had a lot of recipes in in the bag for that system. Yeah. Um, yeah. Practice makes perfect, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Very cool. Uh, your logo with the with the hop flower, and then it almost looks like a mash paddle with an arrow? It's a shovel. It's okay. A shovel. So yeah. the idea is the tie between brewing and farming, which mm. like kind of got lost for a while when okay. it was just industrial breweries, yeah. you know? You didn't really see a connection, and now we're getting back to that, where we're using more local ingredients. We're growing a bit of our own stuff yeah. for it. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, when we came last time for to grab a beer before we headed back to Montreal, you know, guys were playing cornhole. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it, it seems like a family-friendly environment. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, okay, the kid has to drink water or whatever, but I'm or sure. Or root beer. We make oh, a good root yeah, beer see, and yeah, a good ginger beer. I was actually going to ask that. Is, beer. Yeah. yeah, the craft sodas, uh, craft sodas at, at breweries is becoming a huge thing now, too. Yeah, it's fun. It's, it's wild. And uh, Ian from Whippersnapper, he was the first one to introduce us to craft soda. And he's like, no, it's literally so, like, you know, Billy can drink a, a beer with dad. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that's, that's oh, why you guys I do love it, seeing so. uh, parents teach their kids how to order a soda at the yeah. bar and like tip and they're like and now you give them one dollar for that jar you know i'm like oh good yeah, start them great. off early yeah, good job. Yeah. some pretty unique names uh and at least when i was here you guys only had growlers but that was like four years ago mm -hmm. or at least that i recall mm -hmm. um you guys have some pretty unique labels too what made you they're not like really explosive but they're very like standard and out there and like this is what it is let's not mess around what made you guys decide that and not the crazy labels with all the puns and, and all this um stuff. now you already mentioned you're not big yeah. fans of puns yeah so. it's kind, it's of, kind of our style we always yeah. like more simple straight to the point forward labels forward you know uh just sort of we've always gravitated toward just like a classic clean look mm -hmm. uh and, and some of us are a little busier than others we have a friend who's a tattoo artist dennis smythe uh, and we've had him do some of our labels, the ones that uh, have more going on and are, you know, better artwork. Definitely more yeah. fun. Yeah. <laughs> Who um, does do your labeling, or is that you guys do it? And we just... do all the labeling. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm getting better at Adobe Illustrator. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's kind of a combination of the simple stuff that I can do myself and having some especially our friend Dennis uh, and some other friends helped who are better artists do a label for us here and there. Very but cool. Try to keep it pretty simple, yeah. yeah. Uh, you guys have food trucks on the ground, so what, what made you decide to bring in, I'm guessing, local food trucks and not just yeah. kind of have your own, well, you guys exactly don't have a huge place, but why not make your own kind of small kitchen? Well, it actually happened by chance. Our friends had a food truck and they were doing stuff at their farm the year we opened, they were like, hey, should we just bring this across the street and do it there? And so it started and we realized, yeah, this is what makes the most sense for us. We don't have space for a kitchen and like, we wanna focus on the beer and do a good job with the beer and bring in people who focus on the food and do a good job with the food. So it's just kind of, it's kind of worked out. Yeah, I don't wanna run a kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any kind of food and beer pairings or just kind of suggestions like, oh, you grab this, maybe have the pale ale if you did this have this or it's just we don't really tell people how to drink and yeah. eat you know yeah. oh, we never say tell we say suggest <laughs> i i love our jungle hustler hoppy red with meat okay that's mm. like one of the few that i will say like if i have a plate of meat i love having that hoppy red ale it's just like good like malty slightly hoppy good rich balance to mm. it but yeah it's like you choose your own adventure here yeah yeah no, simple <laughs> enough you know it, as some people like you know i live in the city it's very busy uh, thankfully i work from home right now but you know my life is, is constantly in, in flux uh whereas i could just come out here enjoy a beer stare at the mountain right stare at the skies if i don't have to rush back home maybe go to osable chasm do the river ride or the mm -hmm. hike or something so i'd like that the two versions like the the pendulum of i go from a busy life to just chilling on a patio or a terrace and yeah. having a beer and that's yeah. what our space so. is our space is very low key people spread out and just enjoy themselves so we also try not to take our beer obviously we are serious about our beer but we 
try not to push that. Mm -hmm. You know, we we try to make this a fun environment and 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 not be too serious about our beer when it comes to interacting with customers. Um, but on the other side of that, it is really fun when we do go and do like a more uh, traditional beer pairing with a restaurant, which we've we've done here and there. And mm-hmm. that's always really fun to work with a really good chef and pair our, pair our beers with, with, with their food. Good stuff. Uh, have you done any collabs when it comes to either brewing? Like let's say with your stout, you use a local coffee maker or um, now you mentioned you already use pretty much homegrown local ingredients, but anything outside of that, that's in a sense a collab that you put their little logo on your beer too. A little bit fledging, fledging yeah. plowmen. So we worked with a local farm and used uh, sage, from, sage them. from them and a beer, and used their logo as part of the beer. They're good friends of ours. Um, uh, a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we pretty much just try to source as local as possible with any outside ingredient. You know, like anytime we are adding mm-hmm. something different to the beer, which isn't too often. Most of our beer is pretty straight up um but yeah we try to source it locally yeah. and, and yeah, we don't do we it. don't do a lot of flavors okay. in our yeah. beer uh yeah like what he was saying when we do we use a local product if we can uh but we don't we don't do a lot of flavored beers like mm-hmm. i we both love german beers that are beer yeah you know yeah. um clean you know we're, balanced where yeah. we are in quebec it's it's belgians mm-hmm. yeah that's where it all started and cool. cool. i know it's yeah. crazy but a uh, former interview l'apothecaire or apothecary when you translate it to english uh they're pretty much all classic styles yeah mm-hmm. it's very rare that they make something wild and, yeah. and it's good that i have those choices yeah yeah so you know i come here i have your beers and then i head up to oval and you know jesse's making some pretty wild sours there too it's it's i've got choices yeah which is yeah. nice so and mentioning that, um, if you could collab with anybody, a dream collab, North America, the world, what are one or two that you'd love to, to have, you know, your beer with their, them, but also that head brewer here with you and kind of either their knowledge or you teaching them, like what, what are those, some, some dream collabs? I'd uh, want to just brew on the Sierra Nevada system, personally. That would be fun, yeah, that would be fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Sierra Nevada would be fun. Uh, uh, yeah, and I got to, to meet some of those guys when I went out to school there, and w- what a cool facility out in Chico. Uh, that that would be very cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess just some of the, the, the more classic brewers, uh, you know. Uh, I'd lo- love to go to, to some of the classic German and Belgian breweries and really see how they're yeah. doing. Uh, I'd love to... I'd love to travel like the Lambic region. We do some Lambics here where we grow our own fruit, mm-hmm. uh, our, our black currant. Right now we have our sour cherry Lambic on. That's one region I'd, I'd really love to explore and, and really do a deep dive into to the Belgian Lambic region. So I really stuff like that, more okay. like case studies yeah. in these like small regional areas that do one specific style really, really well. So would that be, uh, I like to ask this now, uh, you guys actually close for the winter, which is pretty convenient. So when you have the time, would that be one of those beercations you've never taken where that's the ultimate beercation? I got a few weeks. That'd be I'm nice. going to Europe. That'd be a good <laughs> one. Nice. Yeah. 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 If we can I, stop doing construction at some point. Yeah. <laughs> I've done Germany, but I was like 20, I was 21 at the time. And yeah. I had my good beer guide to Germany. That was like the whole trip. I was trying to find as much beer in mm-hmm. as many places as possible and explore it and like 
definitely learned some things, but I think now I'd learn a bit more. So. Yeah, yeah, maybe a little but bit. But Belgium would be, Belgium would be a fun one. Yeah, yeah. I did a, a drive-by through Belgium once and got to drink a bunch of beer, but I didn't know anything at the yeah. time. It was the same thing. Like, I haven't, since I've actually worked as a brewer and actually know a little bit, mm -hmm. I, I really haven't had time to to, to go to go drink over there again only when I was in my 20s and didn't really know anything yeah. I mean especially too like legal drinking age in America is 21 whereas where we live in in Quebec here it's 18 so that's three years yeah and yeah. I know there's constantly like there's a bar literally across from the border and they're just like come on down Americans there's a hotel here too yeah, just come sure. drinking <laughs> so yeah. you know it's uh it's pretty wild I, I've always thought like you know if if somebody can sign up to defend their country they should be able to go drink a beer totally so Agreed. that's you know, I, I try Weird. not to be political, and that's where I'm going to be is if, if I'm signing up for military, I should be allowed to drink I mean, beer. and I, I, think, <laughs> so. I think, like, driving age should be older, drinking age should be lower, honestly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's got to be somewhere it's just in yeah. between everything. Yeah, so. that's the biggest problem is, like, learning to drive and starting to drink at the same time yeah. is really, you know, <laughs> yeah. part of the problem. Because, I mean, what's to get, do you guys, I know in Quebec we have to have a learner's permit for nine months to a year and then we get a full license what, yeah, what is it's about here? The same here okay yeah. so mm -hmm. and that's 16 yeah, or, yeah. okay yeah, yeah so that makes sense uh and but man so, like i was an idiot when i was 16 like <laughs> yeah i was an okay driver but man like looking back and some of my peers like oh 16 year olds are, yeah. Yeah. i was uh i was personally lucky enough to learn during our ice storm uh, in the late 90s yeah. is yeah. when yeah. i learned to drive mm -hmm. oh great so now just, I was driving through back roads in Ontario during a snowstorm. I'm like, this is nothing. Doo, 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 doo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Perfect. Uh, what's the third beer I got here? Uh, third one is fresh on tap last week. This is the Lodestar IPA. Um, okay. This one features Eldorado hops. You can see it's pretty clean. We don't mm -hmm. do a lot of hazies here, yeah. um, but it still has a lot of that like soft melon fruit forward aroma. Um, so. We like, we like having those nice fruity aromas in IPAs, but it doesn't need to look yeah. like thick orange yeah. juice every time. We do a couple of those, but... Um, They're still there, though. That's the important part. So. Yeah. Awesome. Let's do a toast. A toast. A toast. <laughs> yeah, it's not that, like, bittering hops punch to the face. It's, yeah, um, it's a little soft. You know, all three of your beers are incredibly balanced. We don't, and, we don't yeah. do very bitter beer in mm -hmm. general. Uh, ne neither one of us loves a lot of bitterness, so even in our IPAs, we tone the bitterness down and yeah. focus on aromatics. I mean, don't get me wrong; I'll still drink a heady topper or yeah, a yeah, full totally. banger. Sure, sure. <laughs> I've never tried Pliny. That's like on my my oh, list of, of dream beers Pliny's to try. So uh, but then I'll we'll do wild stuff. Like I've tried Sam Adams Utopia. Uh, in Ontario, there's a brewery called Nickelbrook, and they do what's called a Bastard Series, and they're three barrel-aged beers. One's yeah, in yeah. Kentucky, Kentucky whiskey barrel, a cat, uh, coffee bourbon barrel, and then another barrel. And, yeah, yeah. You know, my personal palate is, yeah, I, I don't mind sitting down and having a great lager, but at the same time, it's like, okay, but let's try the crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> All right, yeah, so back to, just to go back quickly to your question about dream collaboration, Russian River is one of those breweries mm -hmm. where just... I've just had so many amazing beers yeah, they from do. them. Yeah. Um, and I don't know about collaboration. Uh, 
maybe just a year working at that brewery would be amazing. <laughs> Or the winter. Yeah, <laughs> you're not the doing winter. it. Winter, yeah, yeah. yeah, four yeah. months. Okay. In a sense, another vacation. Uh, so we were mentioning One kind month. of the driver's license earlier. Uh, so uh, there's a small group of people here, and they have a designated driver. Don't drink and drive. Uh, or enjoy responsibly. Fre uh, I come here. I try a bunch of your beers. I, I buy a few to bring home. But friends in the area to try. Either hop on the ferry, go over to Vermont, or just head up to Peru and Plattsburgh, or head down. Uh, something within, let's say, an hour, an hour plus drive. Like, yeah, I mean, who, who would you highly suggest you guys got to go drink some beers here? There's, I mean, if you go over to Vermont, you have just a plethora of options. Yeah, around here, you, around here, it's more spread out. Mm -hmm. um, but up in Plattsburgh, there's two right on the Oval base, um, so it's nice. You can hop between Valcor and Oval. Mm -hmm. um, if you're trying to explore a bit more in the Adirondacks, I'd say. It's, it's a journey, but go all the way out to Tupper Lake, and mm -hmm. there's a brewery out there, Racket River. Racket River, they do a great job. They great have a really scene. cool scene there. They're doing a good job. Like, they, they have a fun scene, and like, you're in the Adirondacks mm -hmm. out mm -hmm. there. So it's yeah, kind it's of a beautiful fun spot. spot. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm still, you know, in my eyes, very new to the, to the New York State beer scene. Um, Lake Placid, is that kind of a reasonable distance? Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. A, I and know there's, there's a few breweries there. There's a few there. right yeah, there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And they're totally worth checking out yeah. also. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I saw Big Slide and, well, Lake Placid Brewing. Yeah. So they're, they're so. owned by the same oh, person okay. there. Yeah. yeah. All right, that's mm -hmm. cool. Yeah, Which is so. cool. When they started Big Slide, like Lake Placid Pub and Brewery, they've been an institution here. You yeah. Know? They've been here mm -hmm. forever. And instead of expanding and trying to, like, get bigger, they started a smaller, more experimental brewery that's a brew pub that's pushing out like more, I don't know, more fun food mm -hmm. and like much more experimental beer, which I thought was just like a really cool way of It was a good way for them to expand yeah. for sure. And it gives their brewers, you know, more license to play around instead yeah. of just brewing their standards all the time, which is important. I, I worked in the industry, you know, for a couple different breweries and that was always I mean, it, it drags on you when you're just brewing the same beers over and over and over again. And there's still enjoyment in doing mm -hmm. that well, but it's, it's always nice for the brewers if they get to make some Play new around. stuff here and yeah. there. You know? So, I, I mean, in Vermont and Burlington, the House of Fermentology, that's owned by somebody else, right? Yeah, that's okay. foam. That's foam. Okay, that's foam what brewery. I thought. Okay. Because yep. I remember, I, I, again, just before the pandemic really kicked up uh, steam there in September 2019, I'm like, I could go on a small little personal beercation. I rented an Airbnb, just somebody's room in a condo. Yeah. And then I did, and I'm looking on the Vermont app like, hey, where, where's this house of fermentology? Why can't I drink there? Because it's on the app, but it's mm -hmm. not a physical location. It's same thing with the New York State uh, brewing app that I use too. It's, mm -hmm. That's how I'm discovering more and more of you guys. And it's when we can eventually get down to Brooklyn and Queens, because brewing scene in new york city oh, holy blowing whoa. up yeah it's, insane, it's yeah. funny in in the city like a few years ago there wasn't that much of a brewing scene mm -hmm. and it's finally like exploded yeah. down there i mean part of it's the cost of <laughs> operating a massive yeah. building yeah. so you mostly just saw big breweries going yeah. in yeah had obviously some backing and were able to like you know brooklyn brewery mm. and uh, Bronx Brewery, like, you yeah, know, bigger yeah. regional breweries. But now you're starting to see more smaller breweries, which is nice. Yeah, I mean, even Evil Twin, they have, it looks like a, a small little greenhouse. Really? Mm -hmm. And with beers that are 37 words long, and I'm just like, I want number 12. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I, I love the concept, but uh, that's all I need. It's just yeah. number 12, yeah, 10, yeah, 7, yeah, yeah. etc. Yeah, yeah. et so uh, what's the fourth beer I got here? Uh, the one I'm drinking. Yeah, that <laughs> one's, uh, it's a bourbon barrel aged double brown ale. Wow. Um, Woodford Reserve barrels. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. So a lot of breweries do like a big stout in a bourbon barrel. Um, we decided on a, a double brown ale that really complements that like caramel, toffee, vanilla notes really well without without being this like really rich, heavy stout. That note is beautiful. It's a bunch That's... of uh, German Munich malts, uh, some dark Munich, uh, a little bit of like a heavier Kara Munich. Um, and uh, this is a uh, yeah. yeah toast. Yeah, enjoy that toast. one. Toast. Yeah, this is something you enjoy. You don't just. <laughs> Yeah, personally, as a, somebody who very much enjoys bourbon, this this is for me. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah we have Got a couple, it. couple of beers that wow. are a couple of our favorites to to do a first run through a bourbon barrel. This is one of them. Very simple recipe, but it just like that balance of malt. Uh, yeah. it, it really complements the the booziness, the the bourbon, and the other one we do that's really fun is a strong amber ale with ginger in it. And it's a play on a whiskey ginger. It's called mm -hmm. Highball. Okay. And that's that one's awesome. Yeah. And we've got yeah. barrels of that that are about ready to keg up. Nice. So bottle up and keg up. Uh, and speaking of that, what what's next is is I'll say we're brewing as a brand. I mean, there's been a lot of change in the past couple of years with the pandemic. Like as you mentioned when you were here before, there were no cans or bottles. Mm -hmm. COVID changed that. Um, and it's been one of the best things for us to be doing four packs. And we're just doing it in-house, super small scale. So at any time, we only have like two or three cans available and a few bottles available. But we're at the point now where we're kind of just like getting in a groove of what it looks like to be putting out some more packaged beer and, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, getting the brands down. Because we brewed a bunch of new IPAs all through uh, mm. through COVID in order to like put out some different stuff in cans for people to try. Um, so yeah, now, it's been fun. Now, yeah. We had a good we had a good time during the pandemic. Obviously, it was a, <laughs> a tough time for a lot of people, yeah. but just uh, from a brewing perspective, it, we were able to kind of make the most of it, like take a step back and think about like, okay, like what direction do we want this brewery to, to, to grow in? Mm -hmm. um, we wanted to start doing some canning and more bottling anyway. And then we were really able to start like developing some new brands, uh, take time to start coming up with, with labels and uh, really make some improvements that we wanted to make anyway and kind of take a step back and yeah. think about how we wanted to grow. Yeah. We do find that the brewing industry, there's been very few closures yeah. because yeah. of the pandemic. Yeah. It's yeah. either they were on their way out and yeah. then that, yeah. was, exactly. that was the last, like, you know, It was a lot string, of so. bigger regional breweries that were already struggling with this new wave of smaller breweries. Mm -hmm. Yeah struggling to maintain relevance, maintain tap space, uh, you know, just not, not modernizing their beer as compared to where the market was, yeah. uh, who were already struggling. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, the yeah. pandemic was just kind of the final straw. And I think in some cases an excuse yeah. Yeah. To, to close. I mean, it kind day. of reiterated our like whole ideal here of staying small. Mm -hmm. It was like, okay, by staying small, we can absorb this. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of other breweries have been able to absorb it if yeah. they've stayed small. But it's tough if you're in that middle ground where you have a high overhead and you need to be, you know, 
yeah. putting a bunch of money in, but you and, and you're stuck don't have with a place these like big brands that you've uh, you know kind of built your brewery around just a few brands that you're trying to pump out the door. Whereas we were able to adjust and start making a bunch of different IPAs and keep people excited for new can releases and things like that. It's yeah. awesome. Love it. Uh, your flights too, your flights and glass selection are very much different compared to what I'm used to, which is, I mean, your typical kind of handle and then your small glasses. You guys are taller tasting glasses and with the taller flight, what made you pick these? Uh, How much do we tell this story? Well, <laughs> we went to a beer fest. We went to okay. a beer fest. They were serving in these glasses <laughs> and we liked them. So we kind of picked up on it and mm -hmm. uh, figured like, the thing that's nice about it, this is, uh, it's 4.75 ounces to the rim, so you get a good four ounce pour, yeah. but it looks like a lot more. Um, and it's just nice, you can it's really nice see glass. the different colors uh, that way. It kind of looks nice in, in the paddle. Um, so we collected a few of these glasses because people leave them behind and brought them back. And I remember we put them in our dishwasher and the logos from the beer fest right. all washed, washed off, off. <laughs> in yeah. the beer yeah. in, in the dishwasher so we went back the next year and uh you know people just leave these glasses all over the place oh, yeah. so we went around at the end of the beer festival and just collected all these like glasses. from the grass uh, or, you know i'm so not that person i'm because uh, in montreal we have the mondial de la bière so the world beer festival in, in montreal um and I've been going 15 years and I got 15 different glasses. Oh yeah, and yeah, some people so. are diehards, but then like yeah. a bunch of yeah. people just get sloppy and leave them out. I mean, we, we've seen, cause we've done a bunch of brew yeah. fests now and we see at the end of the night, like how many glasses and just random things get left all over the place. It's like, yeah, brew fests are a funny yeah. scene afterwards. Mm -hmm. Hang out late enough and there's a yeah. bunch of random yeah. stuff. There. So the short story is that we got a bunch of them for free and then we found and the source that sells them like them and bought yeah. more. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, with brewery festivals coming back, like, how good does that feel to see people going out and enjoying themselves and still being pretty? I mean, myself, we just had a, our another beer festival in Montreal, and you know, I, I stayed away from the larger crowds, but still, yeah. it's it's nice to be out there. And it is, talk yeah, to yeah it's nice. Like, how does that feel? That you know, thirty months of the pandemic, and yes, it's still going on. It's not as bad, but still, it's there and. Just going back out to these things and being respectful of each other yeah. and not seeing anybody just coughing open mouth everywhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well we, still, we still haven't opened our original bar inside. Okay. Yeah. So we used to serve everything inside. Mm -hmm. uh, and now we're serving out of a trailer with taps through it that we bought originally just to do events with. But yeah, as to soon do as, brew fest and stuff. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but as soon as the pandemic hit, it was like, well, let's you know, set this up yeah. and get an outdoor setup going. And so we just changed everything to an outdoor setup. And even though things have calmed down now, it's still so much nicer yeah. to just run our, everything out here. Yeah, our tap room was tiny and insufficient already. Yeah. So mm -hmm. this has allowed it to be a much better setup. And like through COVID, we had a big open all outdoor beer garden. So for us, like, yeah, it's it's been pretty nice just having yeah. this setup already good to go. Uh, but, you, yeah. you guys seem to have adapted so well. Yeah. Because, like I said, the first time I came here, there was just the frame of the barn. That yeah. wasn't there. I went inside, and it was a tiny room, and there was another group of, I think, people on cycles, and we're all, like, squeezed into the room drinking beer. And I'm just mm -hmm. like, 
man, this place has so much potential. I can't wait till this is done and then come yeah. back a couple of years later. And yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. it's you guys who just keep keep going and keep kicking butt from what I can tell. So that's that's a great part. And personally, as somebody who still travels to Plattsburgh, not being able to drink your beer during the winter is a little frustrating to me, but that's <laughs> me. So yeah. It's uh, still, uh, I'm loving it. You guys keep kicking butt, and I hope you keep kicking butt after this. Um, anything coming up? Parties? Or I know you guys have a stage, so you clearly have a band. I'm assuming every Friday, Saturday night, or just one yeah, every week, every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we have bands and uh, and food trucks mm -hmm. all three nights. Um, but in a little over, well, uh, in the beginning of September, September 10th is going to be our eight-year anniversary party. So that's going to be a big party here and. That's all, our anniversary is always one of our biggest days of the year. We always tap some special kegs. We got a few things set aside for it, so we're gonna have a fun throwdown that day. Love yeah. it. Yeah, it's a good time. Looking forward to it. Hopefully, I can make we can make our way out to that. Uh, maybe make an episode of it. Who knows? Yeah, sure. Um, thank you both very, very much for coming out and letting us do this. Finally, I know there's been some delays, uh, pandemic, and then me actually getting COVID, but. <laughs> um, Thank you once again. I appreciate anybody who's willing to take time to the schedule to speak with us about their brewery, their love of craft beer, their love of, of supporting local businesses, and all, all of that that's included. Um, I've honestly got no other questions for you guys today. So for those who are looking for you guys, one, where they can, where they can physically find you, and two, where you are on social media and, and the internet and all that stuff. Sure. Uh, so we are in Keysville, New York, 765 Mace Chasm Road. Uh, it's an old farm road, so you might get lost, but come find us. And then, yeah, you can find us on Instagram or Facebook, Osable Brewing Co. Um, we're usually posting, so. Yeah, we don't do uh, much distribution, so you got to come here to get our beer. Amazing. All that's going to be in the show notes. Uh, as for us, allbeerinside.com is the website, at allbeerinside on all social media. And as I say at the end of all episodes, drink craft, not crap. <laughs>